you know, I hope everybody was able to enjoy their Christmas and, and spend time with their, um, with their family, and uh, I hope you were able to get the presents that you wanted. Um, I was able to get, somebody gave me socks, and uh, I'm so thankful for socks. And, uh, and, you know, it's just those simple things uh, that are just a blessing, and um, I just hope that everybody was able to just find something that they were thankful for, uh, where God was just doing something in their life. Um, and when we, when we step into this next year and the next few days, uh, this can be a time that's really exciting. Uh, and it also can be a time where uh, we're really just looking for change. We want change. And so, uh, and so um, one, of the, one of the ways that we can think about this is um, we, we think, what do we do when something that we planned on doing in the year doesn't go to plan? How, and and how, does, how do we make this work? How, does it, how do we, um, what do we do now? What do we do now? That's the question. What do we do now? And um, when I was thinking about this, this new year, uh, the, the thought that came to my mind was um, something that happened to me a number of years ago. And it was the year when um, I, uh, is back in 2007, when, when I came back from Montana State. And uh, one of my biggest dreams was to build homes and to, and to design homes. And, and all through high school, I was thinking, um, this is what I want to do. And so I joined the club at high school, and, and I, I really wanted to do this. And um, even my senior year, we, we went to a competition in, in Florida, and then we won that. And we were competing against two-year colleges. And, and so it was like an exciting time. And I was for sure, this is what I want to do. And then, um, and then I went off to Montana State, and I, and I wanted to, uh, to pursue this. And I got into the architecture school. And, and then midway through the semester, I realized this is not what I want to do. This is definitely not what I want to do. And so I came back, thankfully, thankfully I came back that semester because, like, if I would have stayed, that would have been so much more money to pay in student loans. Um, but, uh, but I came back, and, uh, and I just felt lethargic. I felt like, what, what is my purpose? What do I do now? This is what I was dreaming of. And then uh, now it's all gone. What am I supposed to do? And so my dream, it was crushed. It was, um, I didn't know what to do. And I bring all that up because it reminded me that it, it wasn't until I rededicated my life to the Lord where I, I gave my life back to Christ and I put my, my life back in his hands that he redirected my life plan and that's a good thing. That's what we want. We want Christ to t- get a hold of our life and just walk it out with us. That's what we want in life. And so um, this new year is about starting something new. And when I was praying about, you know, what should I share this, this week? Um, and I, I, realize, I realize that, you know, probably every church is speaking about vision and and what, how to make your, um, 
how to make your dreams come true by like uh, having a great vision for your life. And when I was just praying, God gave me just this word for us that that um, that it's time to dream again. It's time to dream again. And so as I was just praying, I was like, okay. There's things that may be happening in our life that we, we thought about the past. Things have happened, but now God is saying, okay, it's time to dream again. And so I want us to go away with this message, accepting that God is the one over our life, just like how I had to put my, my plans back into God's hands and let him redirect my life. I want us to ask, I want us to seek, and I want us to knock for the plans that God has for us this year. One of the things that we're going to do in this coming year is we're the first 11 days of January, we're going to go on a church fast. And and I want to encourage you to join us on this church fast. And, And one of the things we're praying for is evangelism. How do we reach out to our community? How do we reach out in an impactful way? And and. And when we think about um, vision, sometimes it's hard um, to understand, you know, how, what is vision? And to, like, sum up what vision is, uh, Ken Blanchard, he's a Christian leader. He says, uh, true vision is a guiding light to live by 365 days of the year. And it's a blueprint for daily action. And so... I want to leave us with this thought that God enabled vision, this is us putting our lives into God's hands, is a decision to be flexible at all costs, which causes us to keep advancing and to give our plans to God. And so we're going to just read the story of Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah had this audacious dream to to see his city rebuilt he he had this audacious faith that he wanted to see his his city walls rebuilt and so we want to have this audacious faith we want to um, ask God for something big I, I just you know, I think about Jennifer. I think about when I, when I was praying for her. I was literally p- praying for her name. I want you to be specific. I want you to ask. And, and I, I was asking for a Jennifer, and, and God gave me a Jennifer. And, and uh, uh, God answers our prayers. He wants you to be specific. And, and that's what Nehemiah did. He was, he was specific. And so vision without God's strength is daunting. It's daunting. It's impossible. But for God, nothing is impossible. And so each of us, we have to surrender our lives to the plans of God and see his plans fulfilled in our life. We have to count the costs and we have to decide what we're willing to give up to trust God in our life. What we have to think about when we read these scriptures is that Nehemiah had this vision to rebuild the city, but it it nearly cost him his life multiple times. And so the reason why he was successful was he had this, he had a correct view of himself in relation to God. He believed that he was called 
And, and he had this conviction that led him to the edge of his calling. And so that's what we're praying, that God would lead us in what, what he's called us to. Because I believe that each one of us are full-time ministers. I'm not the only one. Each one of us has the Spirit of God inside of us. Each one of us, as I was praying this morning, we were, we were talking about how we can pray that the, the power of God is inside of us, making us alive and, and, and so we can trust in God's power for our life because he enables us. He, he leads us. And so we're just going to read the story. And I'm reading out in the New Living Translation. And it says in, in verse 1, These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hikaliah. In late autumn, the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of, of King Artaxerxes, I was at the fortress of Susa, and Hannah and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews and who, had, who had returned from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. So the Israelites, they were in a 70-year captivity. And, and, and those who were released were able to go back to Israel. So, so uh, Nehemiah, he's wondering, how, how are things going? Like, I heard people are, are leaving and going back to our home, our home. Uh, how's it going? And they said, Nehemiah, things are not going well. For those who return to the providence of, uh, or the province of Judah, they're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Verse 4, when I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed to God of heaven. And then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. How do we pursue vision in our lives? We see it in verse 4 and 5. We lead by conviction and, and we decide to remain flexible or humble at all costs. Again, we, we lead by conviction, what God places on our heart, and we decide to be flexible at all costs. He decided he was going to fast and he was going to pray and he was going to seek God. And so Nehemiah, he believed in God. And we can see this when we read, because we're going to read it later, in, in verse 1 of chapter 1 and verse 1 of chapter 2, we see that this is a four-month period where, where Nehemiah is praying and he's, and he's seeking God. And he was persistent in prayer. Let's, let's look at verse 6. It says, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we've sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, the decrees, the regulations that you give us through your servant Moses. We'll come back to that verse. Please remember that you told your ser- what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then 
Even if you're exiled to the ends of the earth, I'll bring you back to the place I've chosen for my name to be honored. Amen. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. Now, in those days, I was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah, he was convicted that God had chosen him. It doesn't say this in, in, this, in this passage, but the history behind the text is that, that Queen Esther may have been alive and still an influence in the Persian kingdom. King Artaxerxes was actually the step, uh, the, the son of King Xerxes, which is um, the stepson to Queen Esther. And so, he, so Nehemiah, he might have been able to hear the story of how Esther, how, he, how she, she might have, um, uh, how she did go before the king and she was raised to this position for such a time as this. And so probably what was happening in Nehemiah's life was he kept praying about this and the burden kept getting stronger and stronger and, and it just wasn't going to go away. Have you ever had that thing where you're just like, God, let this go, please. Like, I don't want to think about this anymore. And then it's just like a bombarding thought. And, and that's actually God saying, no, I want you to pray about that. I want you to like, to spend time praising me, if it's a person, praising me and thanking me for that person. Or if it's a thing, he wants us to take that time to... Um, and give it back to him and remind ourselves, oh, yeah, God, you're above this. Nothing, you're, not, you're not stressed out. You're not stressed out like I am. But I can trust that you are above this situation. And so this, this prayer, because we know in verse 1 of, of both chapters, it, it was a four-month prayer. It wasn't like he was just, he was just going at the whim. Oh, i got to go talk to king now. He kept seeking God and the burden kept growing stronger. And one pastor says his prayer might have been, Lord, either take this burden from my heart or show me how to be the man or woman to answer this burden. How to teach me how to be the man or the woman to answer this burden. Nehemiah kept pressing in because he was convicted that God had a call on his life. And if we believe that we are full-time ministers, if we believe that we're commissioned by God, uh, what that means is, is, is we're believing that God has given us a responsibility and he's committed things. He's actually committed his full power and commission in our life. He's, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. And we are his disciples. And so, um, um, and so uh, when we think of this word commission for ministry, it's a, it's a specific task. I'm reading a definition or a purpose in which a person is 
apparently destined in life, calling, a destiny, a, a mission. It's being sent out with special authority to perform special duties and authorization to perform certain duties or to take on certain powers. Uh, we see this in Paul's life when he uh, was commissioned by the high priest to go persecute the church. And then as he was just so confident and bold in himself, God met him on the road to Damascus and, and, and exchanged words with him and said, no, Paul, I, I've called you to go reach uh, Damascus and, and Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. I want you to preach my gospel. And so we see these words of, of how, how do we take on this commission. So Nehemiah trusted in his commission because God's burden of the city kept growing in his heart. It never wavered. And so what we have to think about is that, that Nehemiah didn't force his will on God. He kept pressing, he kept seeking, and the burden kept getting stronger and stronger. And so from then on, from autumn to spring, he fasted and he prayed, and he knew from the Lord's leading that it was time to approach the king. So in verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, Early the following spring, the month of Nisan, during the 20th year, of King Artaxerxes' reign. I was serving the king his wine, and, and it never appeared sad in his presence. And so what that means in that scripture is it, it means that when, whenever you went before a king, like it was like the king was the center of the world. So he was the center of attention. And so to draw attention to yourself was a very dangerous thing because it wasn't about you. It was all about the king. And so the king asked me, verse 2, Where are you? Why are you looking so sad, Nehemiah? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. So the king, he sees through Nehemiah, oh, he, he wants something from me. Oh, okay. Okay. Then it says, Then I was terrified. I was terrified. But I replied, Long live the king. How can I not be sad for my city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king asked, well, how can I help you? And his first response, his first thinking is, oh, I'm going to pray about this right now, right before I open my mouth, with a prayer to God of heaven. When, when, Isaiah, when Nehemiah prayed, that was, that was a gut reaction of, of a constant thing that he saw when, when he reminded himself of God and what God was doing in his life. He was reminding himself that God is above his situation, that, that he doesn't actually control his circumstances. We all have choices. We have a free will. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that he trusted that God had him in his hands. And this was up to God at this point. He was putting his life on the line. And he said in verse 5, if, if it pleased the king, if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judea. Because the king asked him, how can I help you? Send me to Judea to rebuild the city. That was his vision. 
where my ancestors are buried, the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will you be gone? How long, how long, are you, how long is your vision? What's your, what's your time frame? When are you going to return? And after I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. And so Nehemiah, he had this correct view of himself in relation to God. Paul describes it in Romans 12, 3, when he says, he says, because of the privileges and the authority that I've been commissioned by God, and he's been given to me, I'm going I'm to give you a warning. Don't think you are better than you really are, but be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. And so when we see in verse 7, Nehemiah wasn't high on himself, but he recognized that he was a part of the problem. And so he came to God humbly, and, he, and God responds to our, our humility. God gives grace that enables us to fulfill his, his work, his, his commissioned work. It says in, in 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6, it says, In the same way, you younger men must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you serve each other in humility. For God opposes the proud, but favors or gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. So it's not our strength, it's, it's his strength. And, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. And so, like, let's talk about that. So God is honored when, like, when it's just him and when it's us and him, um, it's, it's easier because nobody's watching. And, and we can say, God, I was prideful and I got it wrong. And, and that gives honor to God. But what also gives honor to God is when we're humble with each other. Like when we, are, when we act in humility. When In verse 7 he said, God, it's my fault too. Uh, we all were in disobedience to you. And, and so that honors God, too. That gives him honor and praise, too. And so uh, summing up a whole bunch, what is happening in this time um, is happening in, in the book of Ezra, chapter 9 and 10. And so the people were, were not faithful to keep the covenant of God. And, and what, what Nehemiah was praying in, in verse 6 of chapter 1 was he, was he was praying and reminding God of what his promise was back in Deuteronomy chapter 4. And God promised that he would scatter the nation because of their disobedience. And this is what Nehemiah was praying, that, that this same God is awesome and, and has wonderful miracle power, and he remembers his covenant. When... when when we approach God, he remembers the covenant he makes with us. He remembers the covenant that he made with Jesus for us. For them, he made a covenant with them. And so why do we become disconnected to God's plans and the purposes in our life? Um, they found themselves disconnected with God because they kept sinning against God. And so when we read the Old Testament, the reason why we read the Old Testament is it talks about in Romans, we, we look to how Israel lived so that we can learn how not to respond to God. And, and we can learn from their mistakes. 
And so in 1 John 3, 4, it says, Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And so um, to commit sin is lawlessness, and the sinner breaks God's law. And in this way, lawlessness is a rejection of God. And so when we willfully, continually sin, of, sin against God, what we're doing is we're saying, God, we're not for you. We're, we're in opposition. We're in rebellion to God. And so this is what's happening. As Nehemiah is, as he is, is praying this, what is happening on the other side in Jerusalem, Isaiah I mean, Ezra is praying this. He, this is, I'm just going to read a few verses. It says, and I'm reading out of the message. It says, Ezra wept, prostrate in front of the temple. As he prayed and he confessed, a huge number of men and women and children of Israel gathered around him. And what Ezra was, is he was like a, a teaching pastor. And what he would do was he was leading God's people through God's word because what had happened was the people forgot about God's word and so they just lived however they wanted. And so Ezra was teaching them step by step, you know, why is it important to know God's word? And so um, all the people were now weeping as if their hearts would, hearts would break. And so there's a repentance. There's a repentance part of our coming back to God. And so Shechaniah, son of Je- Jehiel, I don't know how to pronounce his name, of the family of Elam, acting as a spokesman, said to Ezra, we betrayed our God by marrying foreign wives from the people around here. But all is not lost. There, and so what is happening is, is um, there was this intermarrying. And there's nothing wrong with intermarrying. That wasn't the sin because we know David had grandparents, Boaz and, and Ruth. He was a Jew and, and she was, was uh, from another country, had different religions. But, but um, Ruth decided to reject her old way of life and choose to follow God and his ways. And so that's what the sin was, is that as people were marrying people of other faith and then choosing um, to just live life. And, and, and God, in his scripture, he calls us to be a holy people, people set apart for him. And so that's the issue here that, that God is, is um, why he's turned away. Because they're not remembering that, that God chose us. He commissioned us on purpose. He gave us a covenant with covenantial benefits. So I'm going to keep reading. It says, um, they said, we betrayed our God by marrying foreign wives from the people around here. But all is not lost. There's still hope for Israel. Let's make a covenant right now with our God, agreeing to get rid of all these wives And their children, just as my master and those who honor God's commandment are saying. It's what the revelation says, so let's do it. Now, get up, Ezra, take charge, and let's get behind you. Don't back down. And so, I share all that. I share all that
I share all that. It just had to come back to me. Uh, because the story about Nehemiah isn't really about Nehemiah. And it's not about, like, what they did. It is about what they did because we can learn from how they, they pursued God and trusted God. But, but the real thing is, is, that, is that no person can keep a covenant with God. Nobody can do all the right steps like, like Jesus can. Only God himself can keep a covenant with himself, and that's why Jesus came. That's why the gospel is, is present in our life, that, that he's for us when he died for us. He, he was for us when he, um, when he was raised. He's for us even now as, as we are, if we're having problems with sleeping or, or problems with a sin, he pleads for us. He is present for us. And so what is the root of all of this is that it's a rebellion. It's when we set ourselves against God. It's all a root problem. And the root problem happened in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 when, when Eve decided to reach out for the fruit. And in her mind, she set her mind in opposition to God, that she, that she knew that she could uh, know what is good and evil for herself. And so she, she ate the fruit. And then Adam did the same thing by putting his wife before God. And so he ate the fruit. And so our, the righteous have a nature of Jesus and we hate the deeds of lawlessness. And so inside of us all, there's this uh, Adam nature, this brokenness inside of us um, that really has caused us to be in opposition to God. And that's why it's natural for us to take something that's wholesome and good and, and then sin with it. So like uh, my example is uh, like, what is whole? Jack Ryan from Amazon Prime. You know, that is something whole and, and, and good. And then, and then when I go and I binge watch it, and then if I have trouble working the next day, I turn something that is totally good. So it's okay to watch, but I've just turned this thing because my nature is to, to want to do to, to, go into opposition to to God. (laughs) Is everybody following me? Yes. So like, so Romans 7.25, thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. And this is why we need Christ's spirit to free us from the power of sin. Romans 8, 2, it says, and because you belong to him, because you're commissioned by him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And so, amen, that's right. Like I was sharing, I was struggling to sleep 
But what I was relying on was the life-giving spirit to give me strength to go to sleep. God is practical. His covenant is practical in our present situation and enlarged for the vision of our life. And so we all need to remind ourselves of what God has done in our lives because if we don't, we're, we're going to keep forgetting the blessings that, that, that God has for us. The truth is, is that we need righteousness every day to please God which is only found in Jesus. We need a grace only God supplies, which is provided by those who are humble before God. None of this is possible unless we're spending time with God and we're letting his word stir our spirit. You know, one of the people that reminds me of this was was Dave. Remember Dave, he was always joyful. He was always happy. He had a peace that passed all understanding, and he was just joyful. And why was he that way? Because he kept doing what Nehemiah did. He kept rehearsing the blessings that he has today through Jesus Christ. He kept rehearsing that God is an awesome God, that we sang it today, that he is great are you, Lord, we sang it today, you are the Holy Spirit present with me. We, we sang it, you are good. We, we sang it, we sang it. Oceans, we, we sang, he's the one who guides us. And so let's, let's wrap this up. Um, God-enabled vision is a decision to be flexible at all costs which causes us to keep advancing and to give our plans to God. Nehemiah was motivated by this burden that God just kept putting on his heart. And so as God is laying things on your heart, that's not, that's not, the, time, that's not the time to be like, God, I don't want to think about that right now. That's actually the time like, okay, you gave me that. That's my assignment right now. I'm going to pray about that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this before God. He's, he's given me this responsibility to pray and, and think about this. He's trusting us. So we, we remain flexible to what God's plan is for our, for our life. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 26 says, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. That's all of us. Let's run to win. All athletes are discipled in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. And so we are choosing to run intentionally in every step. We continue to be persistent, advance at all times, because the truth is, is that God called each one of us. He commissioned each one of us. Philippians 3.13 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach 
the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. If we're feeling directionless, if we're feeling tired and hopeless, we have to remember that when we put our our plans in God's hands, God moves and puts us in a direction. He gives us his purpose for life. And so I want you to begin to ask him this week. I want you to be asking him this month in January, God, what is the vision that you have for me to, to impact our city? What, how do you want me to uh, impact my, my, my workplace? How can I serve my boss? How can I reach out? How can I uh, lead in such a way that will give you praise and all glory? The thing that we have to keep in mind going into this new year is that God remembers the covenant that he made with you through Christ Jesus. And so, just like Nehemiah, they repented. We, there's a, a repentance that happens. It's, it's a change of mind. But we also have to remind ourselves that, just like it says in Psalms 103, this is my last scripture, 2 through 5, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. And so here, David is saying, he's saying of his soul, soul, I know you're going to forget this, so I'm going to remind you one more time of all the goodness that God has done. He forgives all my sins. That he forgives our sins past, present, and future. He heals all my diseases. We can come to him for our miracle. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercy. There is mercy every morning when, when we don't get it right, when, when we start living with, by setting our minds on, on the flesh and we just start going that way. We, we, the, the moment that we recognize that that's when we turn, say, Jesus, I'm, I'm living by setting my mind on those things. Give me your spirit. Give me your life-giving spirit. If I can have the worship team come on up. Um, For Nehemiah, his plan started because he believed God's plan. And that he believed God's plan for himself and for his people. And so understanding who God is... God is one who redeems and he remembers his word and is faithful to those who, who love and obey him. And so this, this month, as, as we're, we're going into the new year, uh, I want to, again, just encourage you, if, if you have a desire to seek God and press into God, I want to encourage you to fast. And one of the ways I learned uh, how to fast is, is it's not just food and, and drinking. Those things affect your, your, your flesh. Um, but it can also be music. Like I was listening to all sorts of music and I, and I decided, um, oh, I'm just going to listen to praise music. Praise music. Why praise music? Because all praise music is, is just about God. And it started to get me outside of my thinking. And I started thinking, oh, how do I just praise God? How do I just let every thought go towards him? How do I let every moment lead towards him? And, and, I, and I, I did it for longer than 11 days. But 
It can also be food. It can be like a Daniel fast where it's vegetables and, and, and fruits. And, uh, you know, if, you're, uh, if you have uh, diabetes or something and you want to you stick with a balanced diet. Um, but um, um, it can be YouTube. It can be, um, it's whatever we spend our time focusing on. And we're just like giving all that time into and and the way that we pick something is is by asking God, God, what is that one thing that you want me to just set aside and and fast and seek your face and then pray? It wasn't that he just was um, he just fasted and then didn't do anything. He prayed. He he thought about how Nehemiah thought, how can I reach my city? How can I reach? those beyond my sphere of, of, of influence, how can I reach them? What would I do? It was a four-month period of seeking God. And so I just, I want us all to just stand up and I'm just going to pray over you. Um, God, I thank you for your people. I thank you that you commissioned us, that we are your full-time ministers, that you called us by name, you commissioned us. I thank you for the purpose that you have for our life. I thank you, God, that you remember your covenant because I can't do it in my strength, but you do it through your strength. And so, Lord, I I praise you, God, because you remember. Even when I don't remember, even when I have to remind my soul that you're God and i got to stop trusting in my own strength to trust in your strength. And so, God, I give you praise. Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you would lead each one of us this month, this year. Give us vision, Lord. Help us to bring praise to your name, God. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.